Thanks so much for joining us online to watch this one-part message about the grass always being greener. Join us next week as we do a one-part series, The Final Days. And then join us for any of our Easter events online or in person. Thanks so much for watching. If you haven't met me, uh, my name is Stephanie, uh, and I figured before I jump into the message, I'd give you a little intro about me. You hear probably a lot about Taylor or uh, his view of me, but I thought I'd give you a little bit of a perspective um, from my point of view. Um, so Taylor and I met uh, while we were both in college, and um, we started in ministry when we moved out to uh, Seattle and um, then went to seminary. Uh, my focus was a little bit different than Taylor's um, in seminary. We both focused on church planting, which is a passion of ours, but I also focused then on um, spiritual formation and discipleship, which is really where my heart is, um, and being able to journey with people in relationship um, with Jesus. And so I get to do that in lots of various ways. Um, right now, I get to do that mainly with kids and in investing in them and pouring in, in their walk uh, with God and what that looks like for them. Um, another passion of mine, which um, may surprise you, is I really, really, really like my lawn to look really, really nice. Um, this started in high school. Um, I was in soil judging. I wasn't as good as Sam, my brother, in soil judging, but that's kind of where I got started, and I liked learning about different pH balances and the different topsoils, and um, I became curious about um, soil judging. Um, from there, I just really liked my yard to look nice. Uh, so when I was dating Taylor, he uh, owned a home uh, with his, or his parents owned his home, and they rented from them, and um, I would mow his lawn because I wanted the lawn to look nice, and I knew that he wasn't going to do it right. Um, maybe that's why he started dating me, because I was mowing his lawn, and he didn't have to do it. Um, but I was really passionate about having a really green yard. Uh, and then we were able to buy our first home in um, a suburb of Seattle. And my lawn was maybe half of this stage. Um, and again, like, it was the first time I'm like, okay, I get to control what type of fertilizer, when I aerate, how high I mow, what angles I get to mow, and have the greenest yard. Plus, it rains all the time, so I didn't have to water my lawn, uh, which was really, really nice. Um, and I was looking through my phone. This is actually the oldest video that I have on my phone. It was um, taken five years ago this month, and I'm going to show you this video of Taylor. Um, I let him mow the lawn. Uh, it's going to look like a little bit different lawnmower. I'll explain it after the video, but pay attention to how green my grass is. Um, notice I say my grass uh, in the yard, and then just notice how small the grass is. So we're going to play the quick video here of our lawn. So that was literally the size of our yard. Uh, that's all we had to mow, so it didn't uh, justify a riding lawnmower, of course. And um, in Seattle, we had to be um, eco-friendly. We couldn't have anything that had emissions, 
or high emissions level. We took public transit, and so we had this type of mower. Uh, it's a mower that when you push, the blades propel and it cuts the grass. No oil change needed, no gas, um, just a lot of sharpening of blades. Um, but that's what we used, um, because to keep up with the Joneses, that's what we kind of mower we had. Everyone would look at us if we were going to be starting an engine to mower a lawn. Um, but that was what was important um, to us owning a house, was making sure our lawn was greener than the other side. Now, um, once, you know, obviously we started in our master's program, then we had Elia, now we have a church plant. Um, our lawn isn't so green. Uh, notice I'm not going to be showing any videos of our lawn today. The only part of our lawn that is green today is where the septic tank is. Um, that's the greenest part of our lawn. Um, as life changes and priorities change, um, it's not quite a, a big a priority as it used to be, but still something that um, I'm very passionate about. And I figured with uh, the change of the season, it would be good to talk about uh, the greener grass. So when you hear that phrase, the grass is always greener, what do you fill in that rest of the phrase with? On the other side. The grass is greener on the other side. How many times throughout your week or throughout your day do you think, oh man, I wish I had that. Oh man, if I only could get that thing, that would make me so happy. Or, oh, if I could only have that job, then everything would change. Or if only my spouse could get that job, then everything would change. Or maybe it's that, that goggles or that lens of the what if of, oh, if I only get to this stage of my life, um, maybe then things would be better. Maybe the grass is greener over there. Because it looks like their grass is greener, they're happy, they're enjoying life. What is it that they have that I don't have? So as a quick exercise, I want you to take a, a second and think about as soon as I get what, what is that for you? As soon as I get what, I'll have what I want. What is that in your life right now that rises to the top? As soon as I have what? I know there's lots of phases in my life that that was constantly changing. Sometimes it was a job, sometimes it was, you know, in trying to get into a relationship, or sometimes it was trying to network with someone, it was trying to get more money, um, and it was chasing that next thing. So what is it that's most prominent in your life that it's, what is that thing that I want to have that will get me to that next thing? There's a definition a couple slides back, and it talks about the definition of what I think that greener grass is, and it talks about it's what I think that's going to make me happy. It's maybe not what your next-door neighbor thinks is going to make you happy. The greener grass on the other side is for you what you think is going to get you to that next level of happiness or that next level of satisfaction. Uh, there's a lot of us, it's buying a house. It's getting out of debt. Um, it's... You know, having kids, you're like, oh, that's what I really want. That's what's going to make me happy. For us uh, that have kids, we're thinking, okay, <laughs> you give that a try. Let me know how that works out. Um, no, they bring a lot of joy, but it's, a, it's always that chase of trying to figure out what is it that's going to get me what I want and what I'm happy, what I'd be most happy is having. Um, social media doesn't affect this at all, right? No, it makes it worse because now we get to see other people. The things that we used to dream about that you couldn't see and you just had to dream, now you see your friends having. 
you see when your friend gets to go on spring break to Paris, or you get to see your friend buying a new house, or getting into a new relationship, or you see your coworker getting a promotion. It's on that constant news feed of it right in front of you going by saying, wow, they look happy. What if I was them? What if I could be where they were at? Then I would probably be happy. And it's that constant chase that we're in of what's next, what's next, what's next. Because even when we obtain it, it's what's next. Then we get that. And maybe in that chase, we even sacrifice things that are most important to us. We sacrifice those closest to us. We sacrifice, you know, the relationships around us. We sacrifice maybe our morals or our values just to outwin the race of someone else. Because what I really think is under that all is this insatiable desire and appetite for more. That's really what the greener grass mentality is. It's this mindset that it's an insatiable appetite, that it will never be filled because you're always, always wanting more. There's so many ways that, I mean, I've seen this out, lived out, and you've probably seen it lived out. Um, with your friends, they had, had dreams and aspirations, or maybe you had a college friend or someone that they were just going to die chasing that dream. They weren't going to let anyone stop them, anyone change their mind or tell them any different, and they, they lost everything in that chase, just trying to get to that greener grass, or they got to that greener grass and they realized maybe on the other side it isn't as green as the grass that I had right in front of me this whole time. Some of you might be sitting here and think, you know, what's wrong with that? I mean, that's human nature. We, we have this desire. So what is really the problem with li living with a, a, a green grass mentality? I mean, that's what drives us to do things. That's what drives leaders to make different decisions and drive for the next level and strive for, um, you know, not just uh, going for the status quo, reaching that next achievement. So what is really wrong? What's wrong with having this greener grass mentality? Well, I'm going to give you a couple reasons, and then we're going to look into a story of a couple individuals in the Bible who lived this out in their life, and you can see how it played out for them. I think the first thing is that when we say always, the greener grass is always, that's really, really kind of at the root of what's the problem. Because if the green grass is always, always greener on the other side, then when is what's going to be in front of you enough? And you're able to enjoy what you have given to you and those around you. See, this greener grass mentality, it never leads to joy. It never leads to a deep, satisfactional joy and happiness. Because that, that chase that you're on gets filled with something else the moment you get it. The moment that maybe you went into debt to buy those new pair of shoes or buy that boat because you thought that was the final key. That's what's going to make me happy. But no, you were left with that same empty feeling. The other problem with it is it makes you a victim. It makes me a victim. Because what it does is it says, I must have not done something right. How come I didn't deserve what they got? What did I do wrong? What did I do different? Why don't I deserve that? 
So then it becomes a pity party of you. And again, you're not looking at what you have in front of you and the grass that's around you. You're looking at it from the perspective of it's not enough. God must have shortchanged me. They shortchanged me. I should have got this. I worked so hard. And so when you're on that constant chase of the grass always being greener, you become the victim. I think the last uh, reason that I have that's really the problem with the greener grass mentality and maybe, maybe one of the saddest is it robs us from life, from life itself. And it's a thief. It takes away what you have in life. Because what you have in front of you becomes behind you and the grass of you stepping up on that stool, looking over the fence at the greener grass, then everything that you have, all the people in your life, they become the shadow behind you of them not being enough, of the things that you have not being enough. And it's robbing you of being in the now of your life and living in the presence of what you have around you, the green grass that you have around you. In uh, the Bible, there's a really uh, uh, a powerful story that's going to depict this. And it's going to show that this, this greener grass mentality really casts a shadow of discontentment. Because when you step up on that stool and you look over that fence, it's almost like that grass just is constantly casting that shadow. Because if you're looking over there, when have you ever looked over there and said, wow, I'm so glad their grass is green. I don't care. I'm so happy for them. They have green grass. They have all that they want. They got to go to Paris on spring break. They got to go get a brand new boat, and now they're going to be able to retire when they're 52. Good for them. How often do we do that? No, it casts a shadow of discontentment in our own life. And that shadow lingers as we continue to look at the greener grass all around us. I think it's really, really tough um, in all phases of life if you're constantly looking at the greener grass. I know for a lot of people, it's not just an object of the greener grass mentality. It really is, a lot of times, the phase of life. If I get through this dark time or this valley, there's greener grass over there. If I just get through this phase of life, if I just suck it up and deal with it, there, I know there has to be greener grass over there. I'll get a different boss. I'll get a promotion. My spouse will get a different job. But it just, at the end of the day, leaves that continual shadow of discontentment. There's a famous story in the Bible, and you probably know it, uh, the story of David and Goliath. But there's another story, and we'll talk about the story of David and Goliath briefly, but there's another story that's running in the background of the story of David and Goliath, and it's the history of the nation of Israel. You see, the people of Israel were enslaved, and they were in slavery, and they were finally freed, and they were able to get free and and not have to be in slavery. They thought the whole time they were in slavery, oh, the grass is going to be greener once we're out of slavery. Well, they got led into the desert. And what happened in the desert? They were sitting on that side of the fence saying, oh, man, maybe the grass was greener back in slavery. 
we don't have this, we don't have that, at least over there we were able to do this. It was a much different life. So when they got to the other side of the grass being greener, the grass was greener still back on the other side. It wasn't until years later that they were able to go into the promised land that God had promised them. And finally there, it was a land full of um, milk and honey. For us, it would be like unlimited Starbucks and Chick-fil-A all the time. Um, on every single corner, it was all free, all you can eat all the time. Um, I don't know what more greener grass you'd want than Chick-fil-A and Starbucks, at least for me, but um, that'd be a pretty good life. But eventually, when they were in this promised land, there was a greener grass mentality that settled in. See, they started looking over the fence, and they started looking at the other nations around them, and the other nations around them had something that they didn't have. They had a king, a ruler. And see, God was going to be their king. And they said, God, no, we don't want you to be your ki our king. We want our own king. All of these other nations, they have a king, they have a king. We want our own king. And I can't imagine how God felt in that moment. But God said, okay, you can have a king. So he let them go on a search for a king. And then that's where we're going to pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to read about them finding this first king. It says, There was a Benjamite, a man of standing whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zer, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphiah of Benjamin. And this was the king that they were looking for. And the next uh, slide, it says, Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. See, this was the king that they were looking for. But see, I highlighted a few things here because here's the problem, is that Saul started out as a king that was defined by two things. He started out being defined as handsome as a young man. It's a really, really scary place to allow people to define who you are, especially if it's external. And how often does that greener grass mentality reach us in an external way where we're like, oh, I wish I could look like that. I wish I could be like that. I wish I could have hair like that. I wish I could have a body like that. And here's the other scary thing then about the greener grass mentality is he said that he was a head taller than anyone else. See, the other scary piece about the greener grass mentality and why it's so powerful is because the greener grass mentality isn't just about you and just wanting something better for you. It's I want something better for me because I'm comparing myself to everyone. It's not that he was tall. It was that he was taller than anyone else. And Saul started out as the king with that mentality, and that carried on. And we'll see that lived out as we look at how it played out with his interactions with David. But can you imagine starting out, and that's how you're already defined, that you're handsome. I mean, maybe some people like to be defined by that, and that's not a bad start. But then to be compared as something external, to be compared as only something external, and then also to be compared in comparison to everyone else. It's tough even as parents, I know this now with um, having a daughter of, 
the comparisons that come with having kids and oh well, well my kid is already walking at this age well my kids already potty trained at this age and I just want to say no I want Elia to be Elia I want her to be her I want Saul to be Saul I want you to be you and not play this comparison game of the grass being greener or comparing your grass to someone else's go be you run the race that God has for you be the individual, live out the life that God has for you, not the life that you're trying to compare with someone else. It's interesting um, because as the story unfolds, it gets worse and worse as this green grass mentality continues to wrap up in the story. Um, for Saul, he became the king. And uh, a few years later and a few chapters later, he had a challenge on his hand. Uh, he had a Philistine that was talking smack, like WWE smack. And no one could defeat this Philistine. He was undefeated. So David shows up on the scene, and David's bringing food to his brothers, not intentionally there to fight the Philistine, but he shows up. And he fights the Philistine, and if you've heard this story or heard it growing up in the church or um, in Sunday school, you know how the story goes. He kills the Philistine. And good for David. He kills the Philistine. That's awesome. But good for Saul. He's the king. And he's the one that has this victory under his belt as well. He's the king at the time, not David. And so we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 18. It says, When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul. Did they come out to meet King David? No, they came to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, with timbrels and lyres. You know, it's really a party in the Bible when the timbrels and lyres come out. See, David had, had defeated the Philistine, and Saul should have been excited for David, but he wasn't. All these women were coming out, running and dancing and singing, they were praising Saul for this defeat. And as they danced and they sang, they said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. See, they didn't say, but David his tens of thousands. They said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David has slain his tens of thousands. But Saul didn't like the lyric to this song. It ate at him and ate at him. Because guess how he looked at it? He said, oh, Saul, a thousand. David, 10,000. David's getting this praise. David's getting this glory. What did David do? And I've been this king. I'm the ruler. I'm the one that should be praised. And that got under Saul's skin. In the next uh, part of the verse, it says, Saul was very angry. This refrain, that song, had displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but with me, only thousands. What more can he get by the kingdom? I want to really say at this time, Saul, are you serious? What, what do you mean, what more can he get? You are the king. You have everything. You have absolutely everything. What are you, why are you even asking this type of question? What more can he get? 
See, it's in that moment that we should be concerned when we don't want to praise something or celebrate something. Because when we don't want to praise someone else's grass being green and celebrate that, then that's stirring something in us. It can be the start of envy or jealousy or hate. And that's not a good start to what's to come down that relationship or what's going to come in eating you up. See, it's almost like in Saul's life, once this moment happened, and the next verse, it will talk about it here, it says, and then from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. It's like that Saul got that step stool out on that fence and stepped on it and for the rest of his life was looking out at what David is doing. How can I outwit David? How can I outsmart him? What does he have that I don't have? Why does he have women singing these lyrics to these songs to him? Where's my praise? Where's my glory? And that ate at Saul. So it's that moment of when we don't want to celebrate something. I mean, just imagine how the story would have played out so differently if Saul would have said, awesome, David, yay, I don't even know what we were going to do. No one was defeating this Philistine. Thank you so much. I'm going to give you a palace, and I'm going to give you some tax breaks. I don't know. I'm going to give you all you can eat food all the time. I don't know. What if that would have been the case, and that's how the story would have unfolded? And he would have celebrated David. See, Saul didn't deal with those emotions. He didn't go to his counselor and sit down and have a conversation and say, why is this eating me up? I have everything. But this one lyric to this song is tearing me apart. I don't know about you, but if I based my life on one lyric of a song, it would be a mess of a life. But it did. It messed Saul up in so many ways. See, David was also really good at playing the harp, and Saul would have these terrors. And so David would come in and play the harp and soothe Saul when he was having these terrors. And one time this was happening, David came in, and I think the anger had just festered in Saul for so long. While David was playing the harp, he threw the spear at David. And then that point on, David ran. I mean, I would run too if a spear was thrown at me. But I just wonder what Saul felt at that time of, oh, he's an amazing person, and he can defeat these giants, he can play the harp, and he can do so much. He's an amazing person, but that anger just festered in Saul at that moment so much that he threw that spear at David, and David ran. It affected the rest of Saul's life. It was a constant chase, and David was running, and Saul eventually died in that chase, and then David became king. And so now he's the one in charge. And he has everything, and he has the cautionary tale of the king before him, the life of Saul. He saw it play out, but do you think David then said, yep, I have the kingdom, I have everything, I am absolutely content. God has blessed me, I don't need anything more. No. See, David fell into the same trap of greener grass. We pick up the story now in 2 Samuel, and it is the springtime. 
And it's the time when the kings go off to war. So David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israel army. And they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. So typically, the king would go off to war, but they had so much success. David had trained his army so well, he didn't need to go. He let them go, and, and he stayed back. And one night, David was uh, walking on, uh, he got up from his bed and was walking on his roof of his palace. It's kind of like, almost like, you know, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to look at all the green grass that I have. And that's probably what he was doing. He was looking across his kingdom. And again, you and I are sitting here like, you're the king. What more could you want? You have the life that so many people dream of. Or for us, maybe it's famous people today. We look at their lives and we're like, you have fame and you have money. You can go anywhere you want. You can buy anything you want. What more could you want? But yet you seem so unhappy. And this was the same case. So David was walking around on his roof. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And then in the next verse, it says, The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. What if David at this point would have said, Oh, man. Good for Uriah. Lucky dog. He got a great wife. You know, I'm bummed he didn't invite me to the wedding. I didn't see pictures on Facebook, but good for him, you know? I'm so happy for Uriah. But that's not what David did. Because David saw greener grass. And if you know this story and how it plays out, he put Uriah on the front line. Uriah lost his life. Because he wanted Bathsheba. And if David didn't make that decision, his legacy would have looked a lot different. This cost David the life of his son. It probably tormented his family. Again, it affected the legacy that he left. All because he saw something that he didn't have, that he wanted. And I just sit there and I think, you saw this with Saul. You had this tale lived out. Why? Why did you fall into that same trap of greener grass? You had everything you want. God had blessed you in so many ways, but yet it wasn't enough. It breaks my heart because you know, I mean, this is just one story. You know of so many maybe other stories um, in people's lives and in the Bible even where people are constantly falling into this trap. Oh, there's got to be greener grass. I'm going to go do whatever it takes to get to that other side and get that greener grass. And it's constant chases. And people sacrifice and lose so much just like David did. Because if it can happen to Saul, it can happen to you. If it can happen to Saul and it can happen to David, it can happen to you and it can happen to me, where we can all fall into this trap of constantly, constantly chasing that greener grass. 
this story really broke my heart. And it breaks my heart when I see it even to people that I really care about. People that I love. And I see from the outside and reading the story and from the outside of watching other people's lives, I'm like, why? Did you not see this grass that you had? See, I think there's three ways that I've seen people live this greener grass out. There's three ways to learn that this greener grass is a myth. The first one, which we've talked about and you've maybe seen, is that we, we never get it, but we're going to die chasing it. How many of, of us know someone that was never able to get that greener grass that they had wanted? But they were never going to give up. They were never going to look for greener grass anywhere else. They knew where the greener grass was for them. They had those what-if goggles of, I know that if I just get there, that's what's going to make me happy. And they died in the chase. They lived their whole life looking for greener grass and living with that shadow of discontentment. The other one, and I think the, one of the most saddest ways, is to get it and to realize it didn't satisfy Because when you work so hard and you pour so much into it, you think it's going to satisfy. You put so much weight and expectation into that one area that you think is so much greener. And you put so much weight that when you get there, it leaves even a bigger pit of emptiness. And again, I've seen this lived out. You've probably seen that too. We see that even with people that are in the spotlight stars, singers, actors, that they just chase it and chase it, but then they get there, and it didn't satisfy them. And they sacrificed so much. See, there's a really uh, famous philosopher. Uh, He stars in a movie, Dumb and Dumber, or Ace Ventura. And I was really surprised when I found uh, this quote. Uh, This quote is by Jim Carrey. And actually, you should really go out. He has some really great quotes and speeches. I was really surprised because I guess I've only, you know, seen him as Jim Carrey in these movies. But try not to picture Ace Ventura when he says this. But this is really a quote from Jim Carrey. He says, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. That's what he said. He said, I think that everyone, I wish all of you could get everything you ever wanted. I wish you could have all the money that you ever wished. Be famous in any way that you wanted to be famous. I wish you could get there. Maybe then you could see that it's not enough. And that everything that you dreamed of is not going to be the answer. But Jim Carrey said this, and I think it's a powerful, powerful statement. See, I think that the greener grass mentality doesn't have to be a myth. I don't think that you have to die chasing it. I don't think that you have to keep trying to run and when you get it, not be satisfied. See, I think greener grass is possible. It's not the greener grass that you might envision or you might think of. But greener grass is possible. And I know you're probably thinking, oh, I knew you were going to say this. I knew you were going to get to this point. 
But really, I don't think that the greener grass mentality has to be a myth. Because if you trust your heavenly Father, I think he does have greener grass. Not just greener grass for me, but greener grass for each of us. We just have to be willing to say, yep, God, I trust you. I want to follow you, and I want you to lead me to greener grass. Because I know that, that I've been chasing this greener grass, and I can't figure out how to get it anywhere else. But that's a hard thing for some of us to do, to let go and say, yeah, I think God can lead me to greener grass. Because we, we want to determine what that greener grass is. We think we know what the greener grass for our life should be. God doesn't know. Why, why would he, he wants to lead me to some other type of green grass. No, he has the greenest of green grass for us. And he wants to lead us into this green grass. Uh, Mike was here last week, and I don't know if you were here, um, but he talked about Psalms 23. And he talked about um, how powerful a verse that is. And most often it's, it's used in the context of, of funerals. But really, it has so much life. This verse has so much life that it can give us. It's in the book of, of Psalms and is a song. And I'm going to read you the verse. And I just, I think it really embodies this idea of God having greener grass. You don't have to just take my word or my life experience of saying, you know what, yeah, he really does have green grass for you. But when you dig into his scriptures and there's so much life in what he wants to bring each of us, it's hard to say that that's really not greener grass. Because in Psalms 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. In wealth, in poverty, in being alone, and being in a relationship, and having kids, and not having kids, and having debt, I lack nothing. In all honesty, we lack nothing. He says, He makes me lie down in green pastures, the greenest of pastures. Nowhere else. Are you going to be able to find that deep joy that you can have when you lay down in the grass that he has for you and the life and leaning into him? Because he leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. No object refreshes my soul, no house, no spouse, no kids, but he, he refreshes each of our souls. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. He tells me where I need to go. And if I trust and I lead him, he leads me to those right paths. And even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, tough times, hard times, pain, suffering, loss, I have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. Because I am going to trust in him that he's going to lead me to that grass. Because he's with me, and his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And in all of this, I don't lack anything. 
I don't need to keep running after green grass that I'm never going to be satisfied in. Because I can say, Heavenly Father, I trust in you. And it's going to be you that leads me and comforts me. Do you know who wrote this psalm? David. So why did David miss it? Why didn't David say, God, what you've given me is enough. You've given me green grass to live. But David made a poor choice and saw greener grass and ran after that. Taylor preached a message a while ago talking about the pages of our life. Many of you referenced this or have, have talked about this, but he, he talked about the illustration of the stack of paper being our life. And this is the one life that you are given. And each page represents a day in your life. And you can't rewrite that page. And I think about how many pages I spent wasting it. Because I said, oh, I wish I could look like that. Oh, I want to live in a house like that. I want to be able to go there and have that same trip that they got to have, and I wasted that page. And I sit here and I think, how many pages did I waste of my life? My one life that God has given me. And I threw them away because I was looking and running after someone else's life. When I had the green grass that God said, I want you to just enter into right here. I have the greenest of grass for you. All you have to do is trust. See, I don't want you to waste your one life, the one life God has given you, wishing for a different one. This is the one life you have. And I know there's been many times, and again, phases in my life where I just said, oh, I just want the reset button to hit. I just want to be in a different phase of life. I just want a different life. And I'm so incredibly sorry for that because what would I have missed out if that would have happened and I didn't walk into the greener grass that God had for me? As Liz is playing, uh, there's a table in the back. I'm going to take uh, a minute, minute and a half, and there's potted plants of green grass back there. I want you to reflect on the greener grass that's possible for you. Because I do, I do believe. It's not just a myth that I believe can only happen to a few people, but I believe each of us there's greener grass. So as Liz plays for the next minute or so, if you want to say, yeah, I want to trust in God and I want to lean into the greener grass he has for me, or maybe you're not sure about this and you're like, uh, I don't know if this is yet for me, I still I want you to be invited to take a green grass and reflect on it. Ask questions. Reach out to people. Say, what is this? What is this relationship with God? What does it mean to trust in this God? Does he really have what I want or the intentions of my heart in his hands? Maybe for some of you, you said yes to God a long time ago. But between the grind of life, it's like, I've forgotten what it's like to every day wake up and say, God, today is in your hands. Because each of us have this one life. 
So as Liz plays, you have a few minutes to go back, and I just invite each of you to grab a greener grass and to take it with you and just reflect on what's that one thing that's been in that blank for the last month, the last year, the last few weeks of if I only had this, then life would be better. But I ask you to take that grass and think about a different type of green grass that you could run after. So as you hold your grass, I know this grass is greener than any grass I have. <laughs> and your grass can be too. Don't waste one more day, one more second, wishing for someone else's life. Wishing for the greener grass that you're going to keep running after and never find, but the greener grass that God has right in front of you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just first want to apologize for all the times, the moments in my life, the phases of my life that I wished for a different one, that I wished for something that I didn't have, that I thought would make me happy, or I wished I could have just hit the reset button and do over areas of my life. I'm so incredibly sorry because you gave me a great life. You gave me a life full of green grass right in front of me, and I just didn't see it. And I didn't lean into you and trust in you. I pray for each one that took a pot and everyone here. I pray that this will serve as a reminder in the next days and the next weeks to come. As people wrestle with that decision or even make that decision today of saying yes, I don't want to run anymore looking for grass that doesn't give me joy. I want to pray that this will serve as a reminder for them that the grass that you have for us, each one of us sitting in this room, is so much greener. I pray that in those dark valleys, those moments that it's hard to lean into, into you and the life that you have, that you will be with us. That you will be there to comfort us in those times and to lead us to that green grass. I pray for those that are unsure or maybe made a decision a long time ago to say, yep, God, I'm in. But maybe the distractions of life or the rat race of life or the social pressures to stay up and keep up with the Joneses have laid, lead, led us astray. I pray that you, you be with those individuals and coming back and saying, God, I'm sorry. God, I want to lean into you. I want to follow you. I trust in you and your greener grass. God, help us all as we begin to start looking at the life that you have given us, the areas that you want to use us, the talents you've given us, the people that you've put around us, the amazing opportunities. We are so incredibly blessed, and I thank you for that. Allow us to be used by you and to take all the blessings and all the green grass that we have around us to be put to bring you glory, not to bring us the fame and the richness that we see here on earth, but to bring you glory, that we can be your light. 
God, as we leave today, I pray that you will be with us as we make this step. And we trust you that you have greener grass for us. In your name, amen.